0: This podcast is brought to you by JewishPodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at JewishPodcasts.org. Kisiṣa, says, "Bahaya When my—I don't know how to translate this. Okay, I'm going to do it the way that it says it. When my glory passes by. I will place you in the crevice of the mountain, and I will protect you with my hand until I pass by. What an unbelievable pasik, right? And it says, When I remove my hand, you will then see my back, but my face you will never be able to see. My face you'll never be able to see. This is an unbelievable bunch of Pasukum. So I'm gonna start off and I'm just gonna tell you. Obviously there's a lot going on behind this puzzle that we're never gonna be able to explain. If we're talking about a bar whose hand, which is anthropomorphic at best. And it's just a way for us to be able to understand what a Kaddish wants us to know from the thing it's at, Then obviously we're not going to know everything that's going on here. That's first of all. But second of all, clearly there's a message that a Kaddish Parukhul is trying to tell Moshe Rabbeinu that you could see my face but not my back, and we have to wonder what exactly. The opposite: you can see my back but not my face. We have to wonder what exactly is the back of a Kaddish Parukhul? What exactly is the face of a Kaddish So first of all, the word "kapi" could refer to the word "kaf" as in a palm, the palm of one's hand. But why is this intervention, making sure the Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't see his face, have to be done with the palm, as if the hand is in the way? What does that mean exactly? So, first, Targum and translates the word Kapi in two different ways. In Chav Beis, he calls it Mamri, my word, the word of HaKadosh Baruch In Chav Gimel, he calls it Kiti Malachaya de masham Mashamshin Kadamai. groups of malachim that stand and serve before HaKadosh Baruch meaning he translates it in two different ways, depending on what he wants from it. The first saying, that it's going to be something that's in the way, Akarish Baruch, whose word stops anything from happening to Moshe Rabbeinu, and then he's saying it's Malachim, it's Malachim the entire time. The Ibn Ezra, the Rush, the Bchor Shor, the Tzora Mor, and the Das Zakenim, all basically Baly call it a great cloud that would surround him, surround Moshe Rabbeinu, and give examples from Yeshaya, Eov, as well as Nusel of Avenu al Kapayim. In in Usually the word is you put your hands up to the heavens and your heart is lifted up and that's the way you daven. Here he says, our hearts lift up to the clouds. Moshe Rabbeinu would not be able to see through it, so he wouldn't be able to see beyond the cloud. So it doesn't mean hand, according to the shown. it means a cloud that he couldn't see through. But the Shach says that a kaf refers to the body of a person. As if to say that a Kaddish who stood in the way to not be seen. Moshe Rabbeinu would not be able to understand anything... Until his own body is removed, until he loses his physicality, as gashmias, and receives his reward and punishment after death, that's when he'll understand everything. That's where he says, you'll see what I mean at the very end of the day. At the end, when you die, that's where you're going to find out everything. As long as he still has his physical eyes, the eyes that are seeing things in this world, he'll never be able to see anything. He says, this is a shach, This is the reason why we close the eyes of someone who passes away after he dies. Meaning anybody who dies with their eyes open, we make sure to close them. Now, the simple answer, the reason why we do that is because it looks weird. So we close the eyes to make sure that they have something closed. But says the Shach, the reason why is because as long as his physical eyes are open, he cannot see in the next world. Do you hear this? Meaning if his physical eyes are looking at the world outside of him, his eyes cannot be there. His spiritual eyes don't work for Olam Abba. Only after, you hear that, it's crazy. Only after you close the physical eyes, that's when his spiritual eyes start working. That's why Yosef Atzadek put his hands on Yaakov eyes after he passed away. Closed them for that very reason, so you'd be able to see Olam Haba. And the Zohar mentions this. If you've never heard this before, don't worry. This is a Chiddush of the Shach that's mentioned by others as being a shocking, shocking idea. I didn't see it in the Torah. I thought he would bring this up. This is something that I can't believe somebody says. But to say that that's the reason why you close his eyes to be able to see what happens in Olam Abba, that's unbelievably crazy. That's one, okay? So that's what we have right now. So kapi could be one of three things. Either a hand or refers to a cloud or refers to a body. As long as you have a body, it's impossible to go any further. Now, Rashi says the word Vesakosi kapi means I give permission... For the mechablim to destroy. When I have kapi, when I have my, whatever it is, my hand in there, then no destroyers, no demons will do anything bad. However, once that Baruch Hu removes that kaf, when a Baruch Hu allows the hand to be brought up, that is when a Qadosh Baruch who allows crazy things to happen. Mikan nitin reshus That's where demons are able to work. Once HaKadosh Baruch Hu removes that hand. The Be'er Basada says we know the concept from Baruch Islam and Gimel with Hanina ben, Rabbi Hanina Bendosa. It's not the sin, that, it's not the person, the snake that kills. I'm sorry, I said it wrong. It's not the snake that kills. It's the sin that kills. Meaning, everybody knows the story with Yarod there was a snake that was biting a bunch of people and they were all dying. So they complained to Recheni and went to and said, we, we can't get rid of the snake. Recheni said, it's not a problem. He put his foot right by the hole of the snake. The snake bit him and the snake died like Chuck Norris, right? So because of that, right, that's the idea behind it in which says the Gemara right there, it's not the snake that kills. It's clearly the sin that kills. Recheni Mendoza didn't have any sins. There's that there's a you shall me this is a little bit different. It's because of water that they got to and whatever it was, it was a miracle to happen. But either way, if so then one has to wonder, what did Moshe Rabbeinu do wrong here to be punished and then saved by Hashem? What does that mean? That Akkadish Baruch Hu was like, I am going to allow the Machablim to destroy, but yet I am going to save you. I'm going to make sure that my hand is protecting you to make sure nothing happens to you. What did Moshe Rabbeinu do wrong? Again, it's not the snake that kills, it's the sin. What did Moshe Rabbeinu do wrong? Pirkei Rebilezer says the Malachim got really, really upset after Moshe Rabbeinu made his request to see God. They said, "We ourselves were Mishari's you day and night," they said, "We serve you day and night. We have no idea where your makom is. Ayemakum kavodo," they say, "Where is the makom kavodo of a Boruch bottle? Baruch shemim komo," they say. "May God's honor be blessed wherever he is." How could this human being dare to ask for this? How could he request this? They were ready to kill him and almost did so until Hashem came and protected him in a cloud. So that it would be the opposite. Here, it's the opposite. We're thinking of it as Moshe Rabbeinu trying to see something and Akadosh Baruch who put the cloud to protect Moshe Rabbeinu from seeing something and dying. It's the opposite. It's that Akadosh Baruch who knew that the Malachim wanted to kill Moshe. So he covered him with the kaf, a hand, a body, clouds, whatever it is, in order to protect him, and that was his sin. His sin was that he had asked for something which was beyond what a normal human being should ask for. What a crazy, unbelievable bear of Then comes the New If you don't know who the New is, the first year, my first year in Eretz in 1997, which dates me a little bit, and I realized that, my first year in Eretz though there was somebody who said to me, he's like, you want an awesome say for a Go get the New Tzut Nitzutz Shimshin was written by Reb Shimshin, but it wasn't written by him, but put together based on the writings of Reb Shimshin The first one was a tiny little green safer, It was about that thick. They then redid it; it was about that thick. It was a brown one; it was about that thick. They just came out with another one; it's like that thick. It's what? It's amazing what you can do after you die. It's absolutely amazing, right? When you're you've been dead for more than four hundred years, and they just put together more and more stuff. They found a lot of stuff, and they put Perushim in there and everything. The Nitzutz Shimshin explains this Rashi in an amazing way, an absolute amazing way. In Parshas Perik Ches Pusik Lamed the Pusik says by the Me'il, that was the robe that the Kohen Gadda wore, the blue sort of mm. almost looked like a big thing of Tcheles, a blue thing that was like Tzitzis, possibly an actual robe, depending on how it was, Rashi Tosfos. It says, It says, there should be a rim, a woven piece of cloth, woven all around the mouth, saviv, maisa oreg, that's going to be woven there. Kifisachro, right? According to, I guess you could say, according to the way that it's woven on, yiyad, that's the way it should be, lo yikareah. It cannot be torn. So it says the following. Here's what the New mission says. Lefiv saviv maise oreg, the Rashi Tevis, are Samach Mem Aleph Lamid, which is the Malachi name, the angelic name of the Sultan. Samach Mem Aleph Lamid. It's out of order. It's Lamid, Samach, Mem Aleph, but it's the letters of Samkel. That's the name of the Sultan himself. Sakhriye, Lo, Yee, Lo, Lo, Yee, Lo, Lo, yikarea is Saf, Yud, Lamid, Lamid, Yud, which stands for Lily, which is the counterpart of the Sultan. You have the Satan, Sam-Kel, and then his mate, whatever that means, of Lily with a suff at the very, very end, which we're not supposed to say either one of their names full. I don't know why. But the Tommy Malgam says that in the beginning of Zulikutim. We're not supposed to say both of those names. In between those words, between those words, Sam-Kel and Lily, is the word kifi. Look at the wording again in the pasuk. It says, Safa yelefiv saviv maise oreg, that word kefi is right in the middle. It's a shame kadosh, says the its A name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that doesn't allow the Sam and Lily to connect to one another. Had the letters been next to one another, Sam and Lily would be able to connect and cause destruction in the world. With the kefi, the chof peyud, that name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that separates them so they won't destroy. So what happens, guys, if Vasi Rosias Kapi, if Hashem removes the Chof Pei Yud, if He removes His name... From that pasuk, if you take out the kfi, then the sam and lily are connected to one another. Then they meet each other right there in the middle. There's no name of a Kaddish Baruch that's right there. So if a kapi, when I remove my name, I give Rishus for the mechablim lechavil To the destroyers, the demons to be able to destroy. That causes you to see achorai. The achorai is referring to something that you might have heard of as the sitra achra. So to speak, the other side, the side of Tuma, there's the Panim of a Baruch Hu and the achorai, the backside of a Baruch Hu, allowing the sultan to do what it needs to do. And therefore, when you remove Kafi, based on that puzzle against Tzaveh, that's when the mechablam are there. Have I lost everybody yet? I got you? <coughs> yeah, you're nodding your head, so yes, I lost you? That's 100% that I lost you completely. Okay, good, good. This isn't so crazy, but it's a little crazy. There's also weird Rashi Tavis. Okay, it's a weird Rashi Tavis, completely out of order. <coughs> Maybe this is why. We know the Tuma of the Satan is really in the first part of his name. Look at the name. There's Samech and Mem and Aleph and Lamed. Obviously, Aleph and Lamed is the name of Akarish Baruch Hu. Aleph Lamed is Kel. So you have that at the end of his name. You have Samech Mem in the beginning, which stands for what's Sam? What is Sam? Poison. So you have the poison that goes up against God, so to speak. The Kedusha of the Satan, because even the Satan does something Lashem Shemaim, as the Gemara tells us, that even the Satan does something Lashem Shemaim is in the Aleph Lamed. But the part that he does that destroys people, that's the Samech Mem. That's part of the Samech Mem itself. Now, that's the reason why the Rosh HaTavah is out of order. Meaning, at the end of days, HaKadosh Baruch will take away the Sam from his name and he will remain a Malach Kodesh with just the name Aleph Lamed. That's why the Aleph and the Lamed are at the beginning of the end. It starts off with Lefiv and ends with Oreg. Lamed and Aleph. Lamed and Aleph are Kale. The middle letters are Sam. Because right now he's poison. But in the end, he's Kale. Aleph and Lamed, not just in the end, in the beginning, before man needed it, he was also something Kadosh, and that's the idea behind it. It doesn't explain the letters of Lily being out of order, but explains why this Psalm is out of order. But what's Kafi? What kind of a name is that? You've heard of Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, you've heard of Elokim, you've heard of Tzvah, Kos, Shakai, those names everybody knows. But Kfi Khaf Pei Yud, what kind of a name is that from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? So the Imre Noam says... There are certain ways to spell out Yudke Vavke. There's ways of spelling out Yudke Vavke, like Yud is Yud Vav Dalet. Hey could be Hey Aleph. It could also be Hey Hey, or it could be Hey Yud. Vav could be Vav Aleph Vav, it could be Vav Vav, it could be Vav Yud Vav. And again, Hey could be Hey Aleph, Hey Hey, and Hey Yud. So, different combinations of those letters allow you to have different See, Rufin, the idea of numbers behind a Qadrish Baruch whose name. And I'm not going to tell you I know any of this stuff, even though I'm 42, but I told you I'm still not in that level yet. I'm going to get there, and I promise, fall, I've told you. I will tell you when I'm going to get there, okay? But I'm not there. But the Imre Noam says, if you do, Shem Havaya, Yud Keh ke, with the Alephs, Yud, as in Yud Vav Dalid Yud Vav Dalid guys in Gamatria, come on, you can do this. Yud Vav Dalid is? Yud. 20. There we go. Yud vav dalit is twenty. Hey is hey aleph. Hey aleph is six. So far we've got twenty and six. You got this, Kobe. Twenty and six is well twenty six. Twenty six is fine, but twenty six, right? It is twenty six. And then we have vav vav aleph vav. Okay, how much is vav aleph vav? Thirteen. Okay, let's do it. Twenty six plus thirteen is thirty nine. And hey, hey and aleph, it's another six. 39 plus 6 is 45. 45 altogether. If you use that name, Memhe, plus Aleph Dalid Nun Yud, the mastery of HaKadosh Baruch Shbarah over this world, that he is our master, we are the slaves, that's equal to 110. Yud Kevab K ke, 45, plus Aleph Dalid Nun Yud, 65. What's 45 plus 65? 110. 110 is a gematria of Kfi, Chaf Pe Yud. That's what the name is based on. That's where it comes from. And it's the same as Nais. That's where the name comes from. Okay? And I, I forgot, Mati, you are an expert in math. For that reason, the Kafi stands for Yispordu Kol Poale Oven. Yispordu Yud Kol Poale Oven. That's where the Kafi comes from. While Mais Oreg, Oreg is a Gematria of Tzadik, it's 204, refers to stories about Tzadikim. Listen to this. According to the sefer, I forgot what it was. I, I didn't write it down. I think it might have been the Imre Noam. He says telling over stories of tzaddikim for this reason have the ability to knock down powers of tumah. You know, Rabbi Tursky spoke this past Motzei Shabbos. He said that the Baal Shemtav said that telling over the story of a Hasidic rebbe on Motzei Shabbos is a skula to be able to make a lot of money. Okay, but he said truth is, it doesn't have to be a Hasidic rebbe. It can be any tzaddik. It doesn't have to be a Motzei Shabbos. It could be any time. And it doesn't mean for money, it could be anything. (laughs) So you can work that out. That's like the truest... Hasidah Shemaizu you've ever heard in your life, but at 100%, then it works out perfectly fine. The Imre Chaim in Parsha's Korach says kfi really refers to the Kaf the spoonful of Ktoris that they brought on top of them is Azov, which has a school of the hold back plagues from happening for B'nai Israel. But now we understand why, because the shame of Hashem of Chav Pei is what holds back the Tumah from from Going into anywhere in this world. The kefi is there. So the kafaktores is like referring to that name of a Baruch allowing everything to stop. This is stopping it before it ever happens. The kafaktores stops it after it happens. That's the idea behind it. That's what it means over here. The rizal says that's why it's hinted to by the me'il. Why the me'il? Why are we hinting to it by a random one of the clothing of the Kohen gadol? Because what is the me'il mechaper for? What's the meal Mechaper for? From Lashon Hara. Says the Imre darizal, and this is from a safer Kriya safer, since it's Mechaper for Lashon Hara, the first thing that the Nachash did, the Nachash represents the Satan. The first thing the Nachash did is it spoke Lashon Hara about Hashem. It told Chava, Hashem doesn't want you to eat from the tree, because if you do, you'll just be like Him. That was the first bit of Lashon Hara. To stop that, so to speak, we have someone close his mouth. That's what the meal stands for. It means put something over it in order to stop it from being there and not stop at all, not say anything to so you stop yourself from speaking Lashon That's the idea behind the meal and why that's mentioned over here. Okay, next. The Ramban says the word Akhorai is related to the words achor vakerem Sartani. Kadesh Baruch made me with a back and a front. He doesn't explain anything more than that. He just says that's what the word Akhorai means. And that's classic, because the Ramban doesn't like going into Kabbalistic things. He doesn't want to go into what, how Kodesh Baruch works, etc. He said, we don't need to know that. Achorai just means the concept of, I only need you to know that there's something before, there's something after, what it is, what's achorai, what's panai, what's the face of a Kodesh Baruch no need to know it. The Or HaKadosh says there is no front or back to God, Chas Shalom. If you would say that, if you would tell me there's a front or back to Hashem, you're officially a, ko- a kofer, an apikoris, and you could throw the guy out of shul. You say that there's a front or back. The life source of this entire world is based on our desire to see the light of Hashem. The Or that HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows to be inside this world. No one can see it and live. It's impossible. If you'd go too far, you would just die to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in that way. But the whole world exists because we know it's there. Call that the Or Haganuz, the hidden Or of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that comes to us in small little ways through the Besa Mikdash, through the Chanukah Licht, through the Narrow Shabbos. All of that is there and it exists, but it's all there through HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, put there with a masve. he made like a mask, so that no one's able to see the Or directly because if you would, you would die. That's called achor, what Chabad Hasidus calls the tzimtzum, as well as by the Kedusha Slavi. The body, so to speak, is the achorayim, the back to the nefesh, the nefesh to the ruach, the ruach to the neshama. That's the idea behind it. It may even help us understand how nevuah works, says the Orachayim Kadosh that it somehow connects back and back and back and back where you can get to as far as you can go. But says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's always achorayim not ponai. There's no way that a human being could get to that level where he gets ponai in this world. The only way you'll get it is a Nebuah that seems to be from the back but never from the front. The Bechor also says, referring to how Nivua works, the Zerishon, and he calls it Aspaklariyah Me'ira. He told Moshe Rabbeinu, this level that you'll be at with nevuah will be an aspaklarya sha'ina me'ira, which means a mirrored image, as if you're seeing yourself. You'll never get to the next level aspaklarya hame'ira, like a glass that you can see through and see me. You'll never get there, and that obviously is questionable because we all know that Moshe Rabbeinu was the only person to be able to be able to see a Kodesh bar who pun him el panim, speak to him pe el pe, face to face, mouth to mouth. That's called aspaklarya me'ira. He's the only one. Who never received that? This is a very strange B'chor Ashur. Maybe he means it's referring to the vision now. Later, Moshe Rebbe would be able to get up there. I'm not sure. That I'm not sure. This Svorno talks about this. Hiskuni talks about this. The Torah More talks about the Midah of Akarash Barho and the Yelas Ashakar. Brings down something over there. If everybody remembers the Gemara and Erevin, Yud Gimel and Bez, Rebbe Meir said that I was only, Rebbe Yehuda Nasi said, I'm only as sharp as I am. Rebbe Yehuda Nasi, because I saw Rebbe Meir from behind. I saw the back of Rebbe Mayer. Had I seen Rebbe Mayer from the front, I would be greater. That's what he said. I would be greater. Can you imagine, Rebbe? You don't see greater. That's what he says is happening over here. Uh, Yelis HaShakar says, there's a certain koach nefesh There's something you get by seeing every person. Says Yelis HaShakar, that's why it's so important to see a gadol. You don't have to talk to a gadol, but just seeing a gadol, seeing a tzaddik, watching that tzaddik right in front of you, having that person, even the back of the tzaddik. There's oros, there's or, there's light emanating from his person that affects your neshama even when you don't realize it, even when you don't see it. Okay. But then we get into the story part. Repersh and then it say that Moshe Rabinu will only understand what God does after it happens. You'll never understand beforehand. You'll always know afterward. <clears throat> Meaning, we have no idea why things are happening to us right now. At the end of the day, and I don't know when the end of the day is. It doesn't have to be at the end of the week. It doesn't have to be the end of the month. It might not even be the end of the year. It might be 40 years down the line. It might even be after death. At the end, we'll understand why things are happening to us. It, we won't be able to see punai before it happens. We'll only get it afterward. The Rambam talks about the Zilchus Sodia Torah. The Malbim over here talks about it. Then Itziv has three Misholim to understand it. He goes through it it's somewhere else, but he brings down the understand the muscle of a linen pot and a donkey, and I have it in the sheets if you want. But then Itziv talks about those three Misholem. The Torah's Moshe, Khsam Sofer, says the same thing. We have no idea why things happen. We have no idea how to make sense of it all. But Achorai says a. Baruchu. Afterward, look back and try to make sense of it. Never try to do it at the time. Never sit there at a person's shiva house and explain to them why somebody passed away. That's a fool. That is a fool. Achorai, at some point later, you can come to terms with why this might have happened, why that might have happened. Is there something that I can get? The Panam Yafo says, for that reason, give me one second. Panam Yafo says, Moshev really wanted to know why good things happened to Rishayim. Why were there good things happening to really bad people? And Hakadosh Baruch Hu showed him Achorai, the end of the Roshayim. Whether the end of the Roshayim is in this world or the next world doesn't matter. Moshe Rabbeinu was shown what was going to happen. And although everybody looked at it and said, "But look at the Russia right now! How is the Russia so successful right now?" Moshe Rabbeinu's response, his answer was, "But you don't understand." You don't realize. At the end, everything gets worked out. And that's exactly what Akkadish Bar, who showed him and told him that's how the Yafos understands it. Yes. Um, you say don't try to understand why things are happening now, but isn't that one of the things you should do? Like look at your Veros to see why you're suffering. I understand. I should say it in a better way. You're right, Monty. I shouldn't say it that way. My answer to that would be of course you have to figure out for yourself what's going to be. But know that it's not clear. Even if you think you understand it. You'll never fully understand it until later. You might be able to give something to yourself so you can work on it and do something about it and be better about it. And that's what you should do. That you're right. That's 100% what everybody should do. But recognize the fact that we are not great at this and we may take a long time to understand it. And that's okay. The Akhorai is the important part. The Tam Das where Strumbach says something a little bit different. I don't know if everybody knows this. This is a little bit of a nutty thing. He says, we get judged every year in Rosh Hashanah Kippur. But there's another judgment the other judgment happens after we die. But even that, that's not the last judgment. The last judgment we go through is the Yom HaDin HaGadol V'Hanora by Tchiyah Mesim when a Baruch decides our final fate. We have one thing for this year, that's Rosh Hashanah Kippur. We have another thing after we pass away, that's to decide what we're getting in the waiting room, waiting for us after we pass away, up until Mashiach comes. And then there's Tchiesamesim, right then, the Yom Adina Gadol where everyone gets back, and there's a decision made. Do I get Tchiesamesim? What am I going to be? What's going to be my reward? What's the ultimate reward that's given to me? Each one is there, three separate ones. The Rambam says there's two, but there's something else that he talks about that he doesn't explain very well the end of Hilchah's Shoftim, right, which may be a third, and that might be what it's referring to, but for sure this goes according to Ramban, and the way the Ramban looks in Shara Gamul, the way that he's understood it. At that point, at that point, not when we die but in the final Yom dinah when we go through all the different iterations that our soul has taken in this war, world all the different gilgulim or whatever it is that we needed to go through and everything that's happened to us both in our life lifetimes before we've lived and after we've lived the results of our actions that's when everything gets taken into account into account and yom that's when we get everything and that's when we understand everything says said is that you will never understand it here. You're not going to understand it when you die even. Even then, you'll understand a partial clarity. You want the full clarity? You want to know everything? Only at the very, very end. That's what he meant by achorai. Well, everything else is considered Punai, and that's that. We've heard so many stories about this. And again, this is obviously in this world, and we're still not so sure this is what it means. But just to give the... Everybody knows, that girl that was born with a really ugly birthmark behind her ear before the war in Europe. Does anybody know this story, right? She was taken, so nobody understood why. It was just a terribly, horribly ugly birthmark, but she was a very beautiful girl. And one day there was a soldier that came into their area, a Russian soldier grabbed the girl, thinking it was his sister. I think it was his sister, grabbed her and brought her with her and the family didn't know what to do. They started yelling, screaming, but the soldier wouldn't listen. One of the boys followed the soldier, went to one of the the area, the army barracks and said, this guy stole my sister. He just took her out of the room. And the guy said, it's my sister. He said, "Do you have any identifying marks, any way to tell that it's your sister or not this girl? And he said, yeah. The birthmark behind her ear, the birthmark behind her ear that was so ugly, so disgusting, was the only reason why she was brought back to her family. That's like one of those where we can't fully understand it, but at least we have something. At least we have something to look at. The famous story, and everybody knows this as well. By Yitzchok Slutsky. If anybody knows this story, you do. You all heard of this in some way. He had an accident when he was younger, and they gave him a skin graft on his hand. His hand got mangled, and they gave him a skin graft from his leg on his hand. And same basic story. At the age of 16, he and his younger sister were the only survivors of a family of 16, 16 members who perished in Auschwitz. They all perished in Auschwitz except for them, too. His sister was caught by the Nazis one night He went after it, went into the Nazi, whatever it was, the barracks where they were, and demanded his sister back, yelling and demanding his sister back. They all lifted up their guns, ready to shoot him, right? And at that moment, one of the Nazis, one of the higher-ups, went up to him and said, I'll give you your sister back when hair grows on the palm of your hand. The guy picked up his hand, showed him. He had hair growing from the palm of his hand. He had that skin graft from the leg with hair growing right over there. I think I was freaked out and immediately gave him the daughter. How he didn't kill him right there is a devil. I have absolutely no idea. But, but Akar Ishbar, who gave him what he needed, they both survived the war. They both survived the war. That's an unbelievable story. And again, we can't fully understand it, but it's there. The story of the Chassam Sofer, who was told by a soldier, I want you to teach me Hebrew. And he spent day after day, the chassab sofer when he was younger, teaching this soldier Hebrew. And then one day when he was accused of doing something against the Hungarian government and being with, it was during the Napoleonic Wars, and he was being accused of something terrible, the judge of his case that allowed him to go scot-free was this soldier that he had taught Hebrew to so many years earlier. He knew that the, the truth, that everything that the over did was true and he believed him completely, right? Everything was perfect. Or what Miriam was thinking when she's standing right by the Yamsuf and watching Moshe Rabbeinu and seeing Bisya, the daughter of Paro. You can imagine what she's thinking. She's like, oh, please don't let her see it. Please don't let her see the baby. Please don't let her see the baby. And then she sees the baby. She's like, please don't come and get it. Please don't come and get the baby. Please don't come and get the baby. And she stretches out her arm and grabs the baby. And she's like, ah! Like, God, why did you make this happen? But the greatest thing that happened to Moshe Rabbeinu was being taken by Bishya and stopping the whole edict against the Jews from that point on. That's the most amazing thing in the world. If it didn't happen that way, more Jews would have been killed. But at the time, you can imagine, Bishya was like, God, why did that have to happen? All of these things are things that we can't fully understand, but we have a glimpse. We have a glimpse. We have an ability to know something, and it's okay to say I don't know. It's something that took me a long, long time to say, but it's okay to say I don't know. And if I don't know the answer, it's okay. It's okay, except when you guys ask me questions, then, then I have to say I know. But like for, for normal, I, I, it's okay to not know everything, and that's okay. There's the avarbanel as well. The avarbanel has two other drachem in understanding this plastic. They're both amazing. They're both amazing. They're very, very long. Right. The second Derech that he gives is the one that we just mentioned, but he has a first one, a, th- a third one. Right? I, I, I think if you can look it up, it's an amazing abarbanel, but it's long. It's about six or seven pages in the Abar benel. They're both amazing things over here. And I have it over here if you want to see a shortened version. I shortened it into two things. Then Rashi says that this means, Achorai means that a Kaddish Baruch, does anybody remember the Gemara? It's in Brachos, above What did he show him? What did he show Moshe Rabbeinu? The back of his filling. God showed Moshe the back of his tefillin as he walked by. And that was the Achorai, the back of a Baruch Hu. Targum Yonason says this as well. But he actually says it was the Kesher of the Tefillin yad. Oh, I'm a lefty. That's why I'm doing this on, by the way. But Kesher of shal the Tefillin yad, not the rosh. It's the Tefillin yad, he says. Super interesting. Super interesting why he says that, but it says that Parish Jonas and tries to explain it based on something I didn't quite understand it. The Rabbeinu Ephraim says, Vera Isas Achorai is the Gematra of 1243, which is the exact same Gematra as Elu, Elu Kisrei, Tvilin. These are both villains. He saw the Shoyad and the Sho Rosh, which is crazy. He's taking Rashi, which is seemingly the Sho Rosh, and the Targum, Jonas, the Shoyad, putting it together. Like he showed at Kadesh Baruchah, Baruch showed him like a man enwrapped in film, the Yad and the shoulders itself. Torah Tamima explains what this means. Rabar Epstein. He says the following, and this is a crazy idea. Most of wanted to see a vision of Hashem in Gashmias, like something he could point to and say, that's God, right? It's almost like, I hate to put it this way, almost like we have like a Getchka like a little idol, that you would represent HaKadosh Baruch It's almost like a, Moshe Rabbeinu wanted something that he could see with his own eyes, which is strange, strange. The Rambam and the Raivet argue about this in Hilchus' Sodia Torah. I, I don't, but the Torah Tamima to says that that's what it seemed to be. It would refer instead, I guess, that that's impossible. There's no way. So HaKadosh Baruch agreed to show Moshe Rabbeinu a chalek of a chalik of a chelek of what it could mean to see a symbol of God. And that chalik of a chalik of a chalik has to be, obviously since it's only Rukhni, has to be something physical that is as Rukhni as you can get. And that refers to the tefillin of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's the smallest bit of kedusha that can still be seen in our world. And remember, everybody that puts on tefillin in the morning, the whole point of it is to bring down the shefa of a Baruch Hu, let it go through your whole head and your body. That's what the straps are for. The reason why I put it on my right arm, because I'm a lefty, is because I do mitzvahs with my left arm. So my right arm needs more kedusha. So I wrap the tefillin around, almost so to speak, as if infusing my arm with kedusha. That's what it's supposed to be according to the of Bahaya I'm pulling down that Kedusha. The knot at the back of it is enough to prove there is Kedusha in this world. There's something here, and that's what Moshe Rabbeinu would see. You can't see presence of Hashem. That's impossible. But the closest thing that we can get to Ruchnius is possible is that knot of the tefillin that brings down that Kedusha that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants in this world. Where Victor Miller says it was a special privilege that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It meant awareness. That we live our whole lives trying to be aware of Hashem. I know we daven, but sometimes when we daven, we're doing it because this is what we're supposed to do. True awareness of a Kaddish Baruch Hu is recognizing that Kaddish Baruch Hu is right there in front of us. And Moshe Rabbeinu got that more than any other person in the world. His abilities were so much greater; he was able to get it more than anybody in the world. Moshe Rabbeinu had it more than anyone else in the world, and that's represented by that fill-in mark. Yeah. Now, nah. what did Moshe see? Like when like... Nothing. No. Nothing. I mean, again, that's what the Keshul Tefillin means. He saw Keshul Tefillin as like an image in his mind, but he didn't see anything because there is no physical appearance. And that's an important, again, that's how he started off, but that's something that's extremely important. You, there was nothing physical because there is nothing, nothing physical. And that's yeah, the idea. The Osnaim Latora says the same thing. The Keshul Tefillin was to be a mitzvah so that he wouldn't be Bob, he wouldn't be nizuk. by what he said is based on what the Shock said up above. The chidas is a very important line. Guys, what letter is the tefillin shorosh in the back of the tefillin shorosh? It's a daled. What letter is the knot of the tefillin shoyad? It's the yud. He saw the dalid and the yud, but not the shin. The shin is on the tefillin shorosh, right? It's on. We have the three-pronged and the four-pronged shin that's on top of that. He did not see the shin. He saw the dalid and the yud. Who was able to see the shin? the Chida, rabbi kiva everybody know that Gemara minachos Chav Tassam rabbi kiva wanted to see door door vidor shav. he wanted to see the future generations and he saw rabbi kiva's sheer and rabbi kiva was darshaning all the letters of the torah and the crowns and all the different things the Essen and the vavin and moshe Rabbeinu was so upset he couldn't understand a word of what moshe Rabbein was what rabbi kiva was talking about he didn't understand it he's like i don't get it what is rabbi kiva saying and rabbi kiva was asked a question he said that's halakha moshe mi we can't understand that. That's how Lachlan Moshe Mishina and Moshe Rabbeinu felt a little bit better. Until Moshe Rabbeinu, this is important, was Nisaber into Rebbe Akiva, until his soul was connected with Rebbe Akiva's soul, he was not able to see the full shame, Shin Dalid Yud. That's why the passage, Kol Yikar eno, refers to Rebbe Akiva was Mashlam, the shame, Shin Dalid Yud. Yikar, Yud Kofresh, is the same Gematria, all right, we'll call it as Shin Yud. Shin Yud altogether. Koyakar is Shin. Shin Yud Nun altogether. And there's more to this, by the way. Do you guys ever remember me talking about how Yaakov, Avinu, and Akiva are connected to each other? Because Yaakov and Akiva are the same letters. Akiva is Yaakov's letters, aleph. except for obviously the Aleph, right? Right, and everything else. And we all know how did Rebbe Akiva first become from? What did he do? What did he see? From, I shouldn't say that, but like how he became a big time because the water was dropping onto A. Onto a rock, right? Do you remember what Yaakovinu did when he first saw Rachel Emenu? He took the rock off the well. That's not a coincidence. They're obviously connected to one another, right? There's a concept that Yaakovinu was a person who was able to see beyond everybody else, that he was the guy who was Tzur, that he knew the rock, which is Tzadik Virallo. He understood when Dina had whatever happened to her, happened to her. He understood Virallo, Varelo, Sadik has bad things happen, and he accepted it. He was totally accepted of it. He, was, he said nothing. When they told him what happened to Dina, he said absolutely nothing. He understood it. Maybe because Shem is Shame Kvod and he understood what Shechem stood for. Rabbi Kiva was able to understand that and take that and be okay with it. Rabbi Kiva as well. Rabbi Kiva saw bad things happening. He was living through the Khorban. He saw horrible things in his lifetime. And yet he was the able first person that he was able to get past that. Guys, what level did Moshe Rabbeinu get to? Do you remember? Moshe Rabbeinu was get to ma'at me'elokim. He was so, so, he was off by one. What happened to Moshe Rabbeinu? He was on the 49th level of Kedusha. They said that Yaakovinu and Rabbi Akiva were the only two people who were able to get to number fifty. That's the shin, and that's why it says by them. do you Remember, Yaakovinu told Esav when Esav said, "Keep your stuff, my brother. I, I don't need." Yeshli ravachi, I've got a lot. What did Yaakovinu say back? Yeshli kol. chaflamid. I have everything. Chaflamid is the gematria of fifty. This pasuk refers to Rabbi Akiva. Do you see what it says over here? Kol yakar ra'asa eno. is the gematria of fifty. This is when Moshe Rabbeinu was able to get to the level that he understood everything. Now, there's a difference. I just want to be clear. Moshe Rabbeinu was able to get to the Dalit and the Yud. Rabbi Kiva was only able to get to the Shin. Rabbi Kiva was never as great as Moshe Rabbeinu, but there was something that Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't get that Rabbi Kiva did, and that's this understanding of Tzadik Varelo. Even though Moshe Rabbeinu is on the 49th level, he's on the 49th level of a higher level way above Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva got to the 50th level of this level. You know, like you can get to like level ten of this level, and then you have to get to level ten of that level, level ten of that level. Rabbi Kiva was only able to get to the f- only, only <laughs> the fiftieth level here. Most rabbi was able to get to the forty ninth level here. Does everybody get what I'm saying? Obviously, Moshe Rabbeinu was greater than Rebbe Akiva. Anybody who tells you otherwise is wrong. Moshe Rabbeinu was greater than Rebbe Akiva by a billion times. A billion times. But there's something that Rebbe Akiva could get to on his level that Moshe Rabbeinu was never able to get to on his level. I hope that's understood. It's a crazy idea, but they're all put together in that way. And that's what the Dalid, the Yud, and the Shin of this filling represents. We're going to have to end, guys. So I'm going to tell... Oh, man. Which one should I do? You guys get to choose. Should we do the Hasidish award? Should we do the Chassam silver? Which one? Chassam silver? Who wants Hasidish? Raise your hands. Okay, who wants Chassam silver? Okay, I'm just telling you, it's five to three. Um, there are more people than that here. No, 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 it's too late. I just, if you don't know how to hold your hand up, like, this is how you do it next time, okay? <laughs> so, so, so here we go. So, uh, there is, there's an amazing Meish over here. You can check out the Meish about the connection between Klai and everything. The Kedish Arim calls it a Kesher, and that's what the Tefillin stood for. Listen to this Ksham Sofer. I found it in three different places in the Ksham Sofer, three different ones. The Ksham Sofer says, when the Ego happened, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to take his Shechina away from them completely. He's like, I'm done, I'm done. The Shechina's gone. Moshe Benu Davind, that it should come back the same way that it was before. And that's what he's asking. He's not asking to see God. No idiot is asking to see God. We know that that's impossible. He's saying, I want Hashem to be with me. I want it to be as if HaKadosh Baruch was with me wherever I go. And Harsinai, they were Zoha, not only to the Shem Havaya, Yudke Vavke, that we mentioned before. They were Zokha to the letters before Yudke Vavke, which is, Tess Dalid Hey Dalid, and the letters afterward Chaf Vav Zayin Vav. Do you guys get that Yud and then a Hey and then a Vav and then a Hey is Chaf Vav Zayin Vav and Tess Dalid Hey Dalid. Okay, all three together. Take them together. Tess Dalid Hey Dalid is twenty two. Yud Kevav K ke is twenty six. Chaf Vav Zion Vav is thirty nine. Twenty 22, 26, and thirty nine is eighty seven. Rosho Kesem Paz. It's his head has the appearance, let's call it, a crown of fine gold. It has to do with Baruch shamar. If anybody knows what I'm talking about with that, I hope you guys know. Baruch and the amount of words in Baruch Shammar, that word pays Zion. It has to do with that. It's the same as Ani Hashem. Ani Yudke Vavke is also 87 altogether. That is the Tikkun shalim When we have all three together, the letters before, the letters afterward, and Yudke Vavke itself, that's when Ani Hashem, I am all, I have everything together. That's when we understand, so to speak, the past, the present, and the future. When a kaddish Baruch Hu becomes Haya, Hove, the that's when it's Ani Hashem, which we have not gotten, we will not get until the end of days. Because of the Egel, they lost that level. They were Zohar to the letters after Havaya. Only that, the Achorai, not the Panai. Not test Dalit, hey Dalit. They got the Achorai. They got only that and nothing else. 39 plus 26. What's 39 plus 26, guys? 65. 65 which is Aleph Dalit Nun Yud. Which is why we now pronounce Hashem's name, Yud K Vav ke, as Ado, the way it is. That's the reason why. Because we only have the achoray of Hashem's name plus that. That's why we pronounce it that way. That's Hashuah In the future, it won't be pronounced that way. We'll have it as Yudke Vavke the way it is. It'll be just as it is. It's Ani Hashem. It's a world of Ani Hashem. I am Yudke Vavke. You no longer have to say any other word. It's no longer a, a fake word that means our master. It's something even bigger than that. That's the idea behind it. The highest level is when it's something big in Olam which we haven't seen. And that's the letters before, Asher Becha, Espire Becha is 22, the gematra of that Tass Dalet, Hey Dalid, and Pana'i lo yiro, you will never see my face until La Asid Bin Bimhera Isn't that an unbelievable Chassam Sofer? Again, I know I went to all Kabbalistic on you guys tonight with a ton of Shamos and a lot of things that I don't normally say. But that's because I'm over 40. So I'm... A, <laughs> it's because this is what the Svarim say over here. Although there's a ton of what I just said that is really, really difficult to understand. Maybe we'll take it into our heads now and maybe somehow at some point it's going to affect us and we'll get something out of it. Hopefully we'll be Zohar so to understand it a little bit better. Shkai, guys. Have a great night. Have a great